Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabe, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabe brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast, back at it again. Recording this on a Monday afternoon. A couple hours, actually two hours right now, 4 o'clock on Monday before the Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Word on the street, Kevin Durant coming back. I know there's been some rumblings in these parts that the Warriors, you know, thought that he could have gone game four. He either tapped out on him. I don't know. He can kind of redeem himself tonight. So if you're listening, thought about putting some money on the series, you can get the Warriors as like a four to one underdog. Probably not going to pull the trigger. When you're listening to this, either, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday, you'd be like, Middlecoff, you could have made some easy money. Or you could have just flushed your money down the toilet. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna back off, but I am gonna I am gonna make some bets later this week. U.S. Open, I, I love the U.S. Open, uh, can't wait, it's, I'm actually going on Friday just as a fan, probably hang out, drink some beers, eat some food, watch my man Tiger, not really my man, just a fan, and uh, we've never met, we've walked by each other a couple times, very, very close, he actually looks kind of like a, I wouldn't say a mythological figure, but when you see him in person, you're like, well, it's Tiger Woods, he's got this perfectly little small waist, he's tall, linear, going my scattering report, but uh, fired up for the U.S. Open, fired up for this show. This is kind of the last week of of NFL stuff before basically the summer hits. And the summer for NFL people, scouts and coaches, they basically just get a month off. Like you just get a month or maybe even a little more, some depending on when you report for training camp, like four or five weeks where you just get to do whatever the hell you want. Just leave. Because obviously once the season starts, 
it's it's a marathon that does not stop, uh, especially for the scouting staff. Once training camp hits, you're kind of going till the draft, and coaches just go so hard during the season. It, it's a grind. So this is kind of the last week. I know Belichick let the team off. Uh, I think this morning, uh, Monday morning, just to get out of here. So they're starting practice or starting their vacation a week early. I know, like Kyle Shanahan with the Niners, they just practice Tuesday, Wednesday, and then he basically get. I think they have a picnic or something, family picnic on Thursday, and then they get basically get to bounce. But I'm pretty excited for the show. Uh, Carson Wentz signed his big contract. I'm gonna dive into that here in a second. Joe Douglas and the Houston kind of uh, the general manager getting fired out of left field. I guess it might not be out of left field if you're a Houston fan, but for for us that casually follows the Texans, I was kind of blown away. And just why I think it's a little overhyped, some of these GM movements. And then uh, a lot of players, Nadakwe, I can finally say his name, Clowney, uh, I'm pretty sure Chris Jones of the Chiefs. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing some guys. I know Malcolm Jenkins showed up. But just to sitting out minicamp to quote-unquote gain leverage, do anything, we'll dive into that a little bit later. Then, of course, Middlecoff Mailbag, slide up into my DMs at John Middlecoff on Instagram and Twitter. But my DMs on Instagram, wide open. You slide in it, at John Middlecoff, which is my name, and then I'll answer your questions here on the Middlecoff mailbag. But I'm going to start with this, the Carson Wentz contract. And one thing that I use to kind of analogize good business decisions usually comes back to real estate. For most humans, including myself, unless you like own a business, it'll be the biggest purchase you individually ever make. Now, you could argue, my little brother, we were talking today, like, you know, depending, a kid costs you over the life, you know, of his 18 years while he lives at home, give or take 500K, uh, you make other expensive purchases and spend a lot of money on other things, but an individual purchase at the time of sale, real estate's pretty important and, and definitely a pretty big relative to how much money you have purchase. Well, and I made my first real estate purchase a couple years ago, bought a condo in the Bay Area, which was crazy. But the one thing about real estate is historically it's always gone up, right? Well, there are still recessions and things come back to earth. Some even, you know, what happened in 2008, which is probably not likely to happen this time around, even though the recession is inevitably coming, it probably won't crumble, but it will slow down and hell might even come back a little bit. But with quarterback contracts, unlike real estate, they just keep going up. It literally is never coming back. Like real estate, you could argue any business is always going to have its ups and downs, right? There'll be a peak, then it'll come back. Like if you've invested in stocks, it'll come back, it'll stop, it'll go back up. It's kind of a roller coaster. That's how normal business works. It's up and down. Well, right now, when it comes to quarterbacks, and really when you look at the modern day NFL, since the early 90s when free agency started, when it comes to quarterbacks, it's literally only gone up. There has never been a quarterback recession. And I think it's fair to say there never will be. Now, maybe one day, like our quarterback's going to get $100 million one day. You'd say that sounds insane. But I heard, I was listening to something the other day where they're like, well, once upon a time, you could buy Manhattan real estate for $2. Now, that might have been in like the 20s or the 30s, but you still could. So who's to say in like 50 years, $100 million for a quarterback per year? I mean, we're already at 35 but when it came to Carson Wentz, there were a lot of different people on both sides. And when, I, when it comes to real estate for me, you should always buy if you can afford. It is never a bad idea to buy. Now, I like I just said, it may come back to, to earth, right? You may lose money in the short term, but big picture, you will never lose. Historically proven. You always make money on real estate. Quarterbacks, 
Like you have, whenever you get the opportunity to sign a franchise quarterback, you have to sign them because that price point is never changing. That's where the real estate analogy gets a little tricky because the price point does change a little bit. But like with Carson Wentz, his number was only going to go up whether he played well or played poorly this year. Because as we saw, and I don't think anyone would argue this, the big knock on Carson Wentz is injuries. And in football, that's a big red flag, right? The best ability is availability. And he's only finished one, I think, of his, what is this, his going into his fourth year, he's finished one of three seasons. So, not ideal. I, we all acknowledge that. But when it comes to pure talent, think about this a couple years ago. The Redskins probably handled their quarterback situation as poorly as possible. Because they would have been able to sign Kirk Cousins if they were willing to spend, I don't know, $50, $55 million in guaranteed. But they kept trying to get the number in like the low 30, so they could never get a deal. Well, they eventually franchised him twice, and it almost got to the number that they could have just offered him to begin with. And then he walked, and they got nothing. And then the Redskins, to acquire him, had to give him $85 million. Now, part of the reason that number was so high was because there was competition on the market, but he actually turned down less money from the Jets to go to, to go to Minnesota. So if Kirk Cousins, which every human being listening to this and every human being in the NFL would easily admit is nowhere close to the ceiling or as talented as Carson Wentz. So if he got $85 million, there's no, no chance on God's green earth if Carson Wentz is going to sign a contract it's going to be anything less than like $100 million. And obviously what Howie ended up giving him was like $107 million. I got news for you. It's a good contract. Because the other thing with a quarterback is part of paying them a contract is showing you believe in the guy. Because he, like your coach, is the one driving the bus for your franchise. So part of extending him, and I think it's why so consistently coaches get those quote-unquote fake extensions, because you don't ever want to see a head coach be a lame duck guy. Well, you don't ever want a quarterback, especially a young guy, especially a guy you drafted, to kind of have a lame duck feel. You want to show everyone you believe in them. Well, part of that is it's expensive. Part of believing in the guy is it's not cheap. But I also got news for you. I think people too often talk about these contracts. Like, how could you pay Carson Wentz that much money? Like, the salary cap is $80 million. The salary cap only goes up. It's why it's one of the most unique businesses in all of America even for paying players. Because unlike the NBA, where the salaries have gone up, the salary cap hasn't budged in like three years. So you have to pay Chris Paul or Kevin Durant or whoever all this money. It's not like you get more relief from the salary cap. The salary cap has been stagnant. Where in the NFL, every year it goes up about $10 million. It's gone up about $50 million the last five years. I got news for you. It's going to go up another $10, $11 million this year. And it's only going to continue to rise. Because the NFL is crushing it. Now, will it always rise at that rate? Maybe not. But the, for the foreseeable future, especially when you factor in how important quarterbacks are, it's just going to keep rising at the rate of the cap rising, which is healthy, which is fine. That, to me, shows like a healthy economy. And the NFL clearly is thriving. That's why I always like, well, something's up with basketball. The salaries keep going up, but the salary cap doesn't. Now, I know if you get really you know, nerdy basketball. There was the one year where the cap spiked like $15 million. They did it over one year instead of a four-year period. But you're still talking small little incremental millions when you're talking $20, $30, $40 million contracts. Like the the only way for a, a contract not to have a massive inca- uh, impact on a salary cap when you're talking $20, $30 million is for that cap to go up not a million or two, 
but usually what it would it be? Nine figures, right? To be up ten, or I guess that'd be eight figures. You know, ten million dollars plus. That way, if you have to incrementally add from twenty-five to twenty-eight or twenty-eight to thirty-one, it's not as crazy. Because again, money is all relative. I saw before Warriors game, I think it was game four. People had bought courtside tickets in the Bay Area for $50,000 each. So two tickets for like fifty for $100,000. And I, tw- I just copied and pasted the tweet from Darren Ravel. And a lot of people in my mentions were like, I can't even fathom. Yeah, and I agree because I don't have, you know, $100 million. But if you have $100 million, spending $50,000 on a ticket to the Golden State Warriors game is not that weird, Right. If you have only have $500,000, spending $50,000 on those tickets is moronic, right? If you have $100,000, or I'm just saying you make $100,000, you couldn't even afford to do that. So money's all relative. And I think a lot of players, like, when it comes to Carson Wentz, he had to view himself, well, I'm way better than... Uh, then Kirk Cousins, that's where, so that number immediately starting at like 90, and then you go, well, two defensive players last year in Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack got more than Kirk Cousins. Well, clearly, I'm a quarterback. I'm clearly more important than those players, so that number already starts at 100. You go, well, Russell Wilson got 110 or whatever. I'm not quite as good as him, definitely not as accomplished as him, so the number comes down a little bit, but I think people freaked. Like, you, you just have to roll the dice. Yeah, he's injured a lot. Well, if he's always injured, they're screwed. If he's healthy, they're fine. And they just have to kind of make that bet. And they have to put all their chips in the middle of the table. Because what are you going to do? Have him play out this fourth year, then have him play out his fifth-year option? What if he wins the MVP this year? What's that number start at? 125? So you're risking the price where the price, the floor is already set. The, the floor is already $100 million, give or take. The ceiling is not set. So if he's willing to to sign at something based off, yeah, he's had a couple injuries. If he had won the MVP and won a couple playoff games, that number would be higher than Russell Wilson's, just on the simple fact that he's the newest guy. So I I, I think this was a no-brainer deal for Howie. There is definitely risk in this, giving his injuries, but that's just, there's risk in everything, and they didn't really have a choice. Like, they traded up to get this player. They drafted him number two overall. They got rid of their contingency plan, and rightfully so, because they couldn't afford both of them in Nick Foles. It was just the, it was, the time was now, and if anything, in a year, I, I would imagine more than likely this contract will be viewed as a steal. Because no matter what, even if he kind of stayed hurt, his value on the open market would still be immense. Like, again, these quarterback contracts, unlike even my, my condo, I thought it was going to rise like $200,000 in three years. It slowed down a little bit here. It's gone up like 100 k right? But it's still gone up. Eventually, it's going to come back down. I know one thing. These quarterback contracts are not coming back down. So kudos to Howie. And it's now time for Carson Wentz to prove he can stay on the field. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Well, like many kids at 16, I got uh, a car that uh, came from my grandpa. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but because I was 16, had no money, I didn't have a choice, I took it. And then I personalized it. I tinted those windows. I put in multiple 12-inch subwoofers in the back so my parents and everyone else in the neighborhood could hear me coming from across town. And I turned that thing into something at first that I was like, I want something better to essentially my dream ride at the time because I had a car at 16. You can't, hard to complain. One of my favorite parts about car culture is regardless of the car you're given when you're young, you can find a way to make it cool. And that's what any young, innovative individual will do. I don't care what you're rolling in. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time. Every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I guess the big news of, when was that, Friday night? Saturday? I don't even remember. The Houston Texans signed Bill O'Brien's hand-picked general manager uh, in Brian Gain. And obviously the Jets officially hired Joe Douglas. So one thing that's clear in the in the business, in the industry of NFL football, uh, I guess I don't need to say NFL football because it's National Football League, in the NFL, forever a lot of GMs could kind of hold their job for a little bit longer than coaches. Now, I know Brian Gang got fired after one year into a five-year deal. You know, Mike McCagnan got to do pick the draft, both these guys, draft and free agency. Like, the timing is not ideal. Now, there is never, to me, a wrong time to do the right thing. So if you feel he's the wrong guy, get rid of him. I know this. I know more about Joe Douglas, just having people in Philly that work for him, uh, that really like him. And obviously, anyone you read or hear talk about speaks very highly of Joe Douglas. Whoever Houston ends up hiring, whether it's Nick Casario, if Belichick lets him interview him, or whoever. 
the timing for these individuals, like if you hire a brand new coach, you can see the impact immediately, right? You hire Andy Reid in Kansas City, first year playoffs. You hire Sean McVay, first year playoffs. You hire Doug Peterson a couple years later, Super Bowl. Like it's, it's coaches pretty immediate. Jim Harbaugh shows up, boom, NFC Championship. Bruce Arian shows up to Arizona, boom, they start winning. With a general manager, it takes some time usually. And that's if you get hired in January. Well, both these guys, there are three times in the NFL to add to your team. Free agency, the draft, and like the waiver wire slash trades kind of in season. Well, free agency is over and the draft is over. So now the only time to really add to your team now is in training camp, you could probably make a trade. The wire cuts at the end of training camp. And that's kind of it. You know, you might be able to do something in season with like a street free agent. But again, I mean, we're talking if the drafted free agency is probably 50% of it, and then the guy's already on your roster, another probably 45%, like the, the additional is like 5%. Maybe the practice squad guys, but they're usually already on your own team. So I, I think the hype for like Joe Douglas, is Joe Douglas here to save the day? What can Joe Douglas do? They already had the draft. They already signed Le'Veon Bell. They've already paid C.J. Mosley all that money. Like, he really can't have much of an impact for 2019. Whoever the Houston Texans hire, like, at least you know Joe Douglas. With They gave him a six-year contract. They paid him, I think, three and a half, almost three and a half million dollars a year. It's a nice little contract. Like, if you're a general manager, you just get a, you know, a six-year, basically $19 million deal. Maybe $20 million. That feels pretty good. You know, it's got to feel pretty good for Joe Douglas. But if you're whoever the Houston uh, Texans hire, it's pretty clear that Bill O'Brien kind of does his own thing. I wouldn't call him like a lone rogue just employee, but he can't work with anyone. He's like the modern day Jim Harbaugh. Rick Smith couldn't work with him. Oh, so they're like, okay, we got rid of Rick Smith. We'll let you pick your own guy, Brian Gain. Can't work with him. Like, Bill, who can you work with? You know, I, I, I don't know. Now, I think both these jobs are pretty damn good. If you're Joe Douglas, you inherit, I think Adam Gase is a pretty good coach. I, I think Bill O'Brien, really good coach. Those are two good coaches. So if you're a GM, the, the first thing you want usually is to have a good coach. You got two good offensive coaches. Blowing up there on my iPad. Then you got two good young quarterbacks. We know Deshaun Watson's good. I'm a believer in Sam Darnold. I think they're going to be really good. Now, the Jets thing is a little different than Houston. The market, the pressure, you got like multiple owners, but you don't really. You got Woody, and then you got his brother. It's not the easiest thing. Clearly with Houston, you had Bob McNair forever. He's passed away. Now his son's running. Like to me, my theory on Houston's pretty simple. Bill O'Brien liked this guy in theory. Makes him the GM. They go into free agency. Not great. They go into the draft. They don't land the top tackle. The draft picks, let's just say, in theory, Bill O'Brien wasn't that pleased with. Then they go to training or OTAs. Bill gets like a month of these guys, and now I think you got to be careful to doing this, but this is my guess. This is my educated guess. He goes, all of our draft picks suck. They are terrible. So he goes in one day, he puts his feet up, he's you know, having a Diet Coke, sitting at Hal McNair's office, and he's like, our general manager, the, the rookies he's given us are terrible. And maybe they did a deep dive after that, and they realized it was time to make a change. Which, again, both these two GMs, I don't know enough about the Houston situation. McCagnan had to go. But I think the impact, like the hype, because Joe Douglas was a major part of what they did in Philadelphia. He's a high-level guy, a highly respected human, just a good guy. 
We'll see who Houston ends up hiring. But in the near future, in the present, which is this season, I really don't think there's much they can do, especially Joe Douglas. Like, they spent the money on some players. Like, you're just kind of stuck with Le'Veon Bell. You're stuck with C.J. Mosley. The draft picks you're just kind of stuck with, right? You just are. And you don't want to just trade, like, a second-round pick if you don't like them because you won't get good enough value. Look at look at what they just did with Josh Rosen. They drafted him number 10 overall. A year later, they traded him for pick 62. Like, that's a steal if you're Miami. So maybe you start calling up Houston, and maybe you start calling up the Jets, and you start asking, like, who would you get rid of? Would you get rid of someone? Because this might be the time where one of these coaches, you know, especially, I mean, both Gase and Bill O'Brien are a little nuts. Maybe they're really down on a guy that another team's really high on, and you can kind of steal him. You know, the Chiefs did that somewhat in theory when they just got Darren Lee, a former first-rounder, who's a flawed guy, but he definitely can pass. He can cover, you know, as a pass-covering linebacker. They got him for a six-round pick. It's the easiest deal you're ever going to make. So can you get someone on Houston's roster? Like, could you get Clowney right now, you know, for like a fourth-round pick just because they just want to get rid of him and the money? I, I don't know. I mean, I, you just never know. You know, could you get someone from the New York Jets roster at a much lower price just because, like, Gase doesn't want him and Joe's trying to, like, fit in with Gase? So, again, the, these are major stories. It's a major uh, deal whenever a general manager loses his job because usually we only get one a year. Sometimes we don't even get any. And we've had two since the draft. Like that, That's insane. And not just since the draft, but like weeks after the draft. I mean, the Houston one was literally three days ago. We're in the middle of June here. It's nuts. But I, I don't think it's fair whether Nick Casario ends up getting this job with Houston and definitely Joe Douglas has a bunch of hype to expect like they're going to be wheeling and dealing right away because there's really not much they can do given the time. Okay, let's get into players skipping voluntary minicamp you know it's not technically a big issue right if on a voluntary practice if you skip it because you can always go well it was voluntary i didn't have to be there well when it becomes mandatory and you skip it's a legitimate story now i've been on the Levion and odell train for a while but when it became mandatory they showed well it's involuntary involuntary and jadavion Clowney, no show uh Nadakwe, the sweet pass rusher for the Jaguars, no show. Chris Jones for the Chiefs, no show. Or hasn't been there. I, I guess they officially practice tomorrow. Doubt he's, doubt he's at practice, or if you're listening the day of. I, I, I think with all these guys, you just have to look at it pretty simply. What is to be gained? Because a holdout, you're trying to gain leverage. And most of you guys in different businesses, I, I know... I'm trying currently to acquire a car dealership to my other podcast and have him on as a sponsor. Well, I've got one guy really interested, and the way I get him even more interested is I got his competition up the road. And I said, well, listen, if you don't sign, I'm going to go with the other dealership right up about 20 miles away from you, and we'll hit you in the teeth because it works. But I gave you the first option. Now, these players don't necessarily have that type leverage because... They can't, they're not a free agent. They can't go shop a deal. But the one way they are able to gain leverage is by not showing and giving the threat that they won't show around games. To me, missing training camp, or excuse me, these off-season mini camps means nothing. Do you have the stones to show once the pads come on and they can legitimately, because they can start finding you in August once training camp officially starts? 
Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald. They got big deals. Why? Because it was clear they weren't showing up week one. And if you have the balls, the stones, and the wherewithal to get close to week one, you can scare teams. But is Clowney not going to show up until week one? Is Nadakwe not going to show up until week one? Chris Jones, who's under contract for another year, he's just not going to show up until week one? Maybe one of them might. Like Clowney, you, you, are you not going to show up week one? The franchise tag, last time I checked, is a pretty big number. Now, if you're willing to go that far, because the thing that gains the most leverage, typically, and I've negotiated some very small deals, and I'm sure many of you have negotiated a lot bigger deals than ever I have, but once you do that, when you slow play someone, it creates a nervousness. When you don't reply, when you don't show up, they go, God, maybe this guy really is seriously. And I think Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald played it perfectly last year. Like, Cleo Mack knew part of the Raider fans, well, he didn't show up. He knew you guys weren't going to pay him. He knew his market value. And the moment Aaron Donald signed, he knew the minimum number was like $87 million. With these guys, it's a little trickier. Chris Jones is probably the best of the bunch. Well, Nadakwe is pretty good too. Both of them are really good. So you're talking huge money. Not Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald money, but probably like $75 million. I'm not paying Clowney that much money. So like Clowney, you can no-show. I don't really care. I'd probably trade Clowney. But these other two guys I'd like on my team. But they're going to cost an astronomical amount of money. And they're not signing team-friendly deals. So it becomes a little tricky. But if both of them want to truly get the deal, do not show up. Do not show up. Because they can tell you all you want. We'll negotiate in good faith. That's just not really how the NFL works. Now, I get it's hard for these players. It's hard to hold out, right? Especially when you when you start getting nervous, you still as a player make a lot of money. Even if you're a second round pick, that I mean a million or two million dollars is still a lot of money to a lot of individuals. So yeah, you have seventy five million dollars potentially to make, but you start getting. We're all humans, and for most of these guys, these guys aren't businessmen; they're football players. So they're being told what to do by their agent, and not every move works out perfectly. Like Le'Veon Bell just didn't show up. Like, as I've said over and over, it's one of the dumbest moves in the history of football. Like, Clowney, do not pull Le'Veon Bell. Because whatever his franchise tag is, like $15, $16 million, you're never getting that back. Right? You're just not. Now, someone, you would get money as a free agent, but you get money as a free agent and play on that deal. Now, you risk injury, sure, but let's call it what it is. In the history of football, the amount of guys per year that have a career-ending injury of blue-chip players is very small. Very small. Maybe one a year, sometimes less. So I, I think that's really tricky right now. I would say, at the moment, the group of guys that are no-shows, and you've seen a lot of guys show up, like Le'Veon, Odell, now granted, those guys are under, they've signed for contract, so they wouldn't even be in this category. But Malcolm Jenkins is in this category. A little different because he's the older version of these guys. He wants a new contract, but he showed today. To me, when you don't show for, for voluntary minicamp, it definitely puts the antenna of the contract negotiators up, it creates like, okay, there may be something here, but you give it all back if you show up the moment training camp starts. You have to hold out multiple weeks into training camp. Even if you do not intend to miss a game, you have to give them the threat of potentially missing a game. And I don't know these three guys well enough uh, to know. I, I think Clowney's in a tricky spot. Like Clowney, I'm sorry, I'm not crying tears for you. You're the number one overall pick. 
And what was that? Five years ago. So the contract he signed was like $25, $26 million. And that doesn't even include the fifth year option that he played on last year. So what's Clowney made? Like $35, $40 million already? And what's his franchise tag? You know, if, if, if Amari's is 13, Clowney's has got to be higher than that. So the franchise tag, or Amari's on the fifth year option, excuse me. I got my numbers mixed up. But his franchise tag number is, is pretty big. So this is a guy like Chris Jones was a second round pick. Nadakwe has never signed a big deal. Like Clowney's already made cash. That's why, to me, he's kind of in a different situation. He's also the worst of the bunch, even though he is a really good player. He's just a limited player. Like I, I'm sorry, Clowney, you're not getting a an Aaron Donald deal. Here's how much money Clowney's made. Clowney's made $51 million. Excuse me. He's made $35 million. And he's scheduled to make $16 million this year. So if he plays this year on the franchise tag, he'll have made $51.5 million. Like Clowney, you're not like Dak Prescott, Chris Jones, you know, like the sweet guys that were after first round. Like I'm, I'm not worrying about you. Like, bro, just play for $16 million. The other two guys, it, it gets a little tricky. But if they really want to cash in, they got to hold out. And history would show you most guys show back up. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Well, like many kids at 16, I got uh, a car that uh, came from my grandpa. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but because I was 16 and had no money, I didn't have a choice, I took it. And then I personalized it. I tinted those windows. I put in multiple 12-inch subwoofers in the back so my parents and everyone else in the neighborhood could hear me coming from across town. And I turned that thing into something at first that I was like, I want something better. 
to essentially my dream ride at the time because I had a car at 16. You can't, hard to complain. One of my favorite parts about car culture is regardless of the car you're given when you're young, you can find a way to make it cool. And that's what any young, innovative individual will do. I don't care what you're rolling in. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's get into the Middlecoff mailbag. And I got to tell the truth here. Uh, I finished the first couple segments, and then it was like 30 minutes away from game time, and I realized, well, I kind of want to make a little dinner before the game starts. So I went to make some dinner, and then I was like, well, I kind of want to watch the game, and I'm recording this now the game has ended. So that was pretty nuts. It looks like Kevin Durant, knock on wood, but doesn't look good, might have torn his Achilles. He looked incredible when he came back, and just an absolute, I mean, what a gut check win by. I'll say this, and people think I'm biased or whatever, because I, I didn't grow up a Warriors fan. I, I say it all the time. I, I, I enjoy the Warriors because of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. I've watched every game they've played together for the last six years. Literally every minute of every game they've played. And especially Steph and Clay And Draymond too, but Draymond's different because he doesn't shoot. But those two guys, you talk about championship medal, championship blood, all the cliche BS that we kind of make fun of, it's real with these guys. I mean, they might lose, uh, but they weren't going out like chumps. Uh, obviously, Kevin gave them a little lift, but th- th- those two guys and for his... I guess harmless as the name sounds, the Splash Bros, those two guys are stone-cold killers. Now, they make some terrible decisions down the stretch, turnovers, but th- that was a hell of a win. I still I put a little money on the Warriors before the, uh, before the game. Once I saw some Kevin Durant highlights of him practicing, I ended up doing it, and then he goes out, and I'm probably screwed. Like, I, I don't think they're going to win the championship. I, I, it kind of feels like Toronto wins it in Game 7, but... That was, uh, that was a pretty intense game. Okay, let's get to the Middlecoff mailbag. That's why I came back. Uh, it's a great part about podcasts. You know, I can start a podcast like seven hours ago. I can go off and do other things. And then I can come back and talk about what just happened. Uh, okay. Uh, Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff. Slide up into my uh, Instagram DMs. With the recent trend of spread quarterbacks having success in the NFL, would you attribute their success to being better prepared coming out of the college or NFL offense coaches, or, oh, better prepare coming out of college, or NFL coaches being more progressive. I understand it certainly is a combination of both, and each case is different, but who would you give more credit to? I think it's more that NFL coaches are being more open-minded than quarterbacks coming out more prepared. Now, I do think they're more prepared in the sense that a lot of people run spread concepts, so the offense parallels each other. Uh, now, I also think there are some probably arguments to be made these guys are more prepared because they specialize on a sport. So in high school, they're just throwing more of the seven-on-seven camps. You're getting more reps. You know, the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. It's no different than anything you do, right? Leading meetings, doing podcasts, coaching football, playing football. The more you do something, and football is the ultimate example of this because in the sport, 
All we talk about during the week is reps, 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 reps. Practice reps, game reps. All we want is reps. Just keep stacking the reps. Well, these guys, these quarterbacks, and I had Andy on, Andy Reid, no big deal. I don't know if you've heard of him, head coach, Kansas City Chiefs. Last year, talking about Mahomes, which we'll get him again uh, sometime once after summer break, that hopefully, uh, I know he's listening, so if Coach Reid, if you're listening, we want to have you on. That these, He said that Patrick Mahomes was pretty easy to evaluate. Because it's not like he was throwing it 17 times a game. He was throwing it like 60. Some, I mean, that one game against Oklahoma, he threw like 80. So he just had so much to go off of. Uh, and again, I, I do, though, give the coaches a lot of credit for being open-minded. But I you know, I got went to 49er practice the other day talking to Kittle, and we had McGlinchey on my other podcast, so you want to hear that. Mike McGlinchey's the man. Uh, Kyle's playbook is pretty intense. You know, it, it's a it's not your Lincoln Riley playbook. So again, kind of cop out answer. I'm going combination of it all, but probably a little more credit, slightly more credit to the coaches for being open minded, and a decent amount of credit to the players for getting more reps. I am wondering how a scouting department is organized, how targets are determined, and how t- each team's needs are communicated to the scouting staff. Take example the Raiders. How do Mayock and Gruden identify who to scout? Who should scout them? And how much time and effort should put into a particular prospect? When a new staff comes to power, an organization, how much energy is spent building their ideal scouting department? It's <clears throat> a good question. Are the same scouts who draft prospects used to scout players on practice squads or roster bubbles? Okay, I gotta let me take a drink of water. This is a deep question. On the most basic level, when you scout the college players, you scout every player equally. And then as you get probably to December, January, you start isolating the players the team wants. But basically starting now, watching tape up until late in the season, you're evaluating every player on the team to the nth degree. you know, And that includes underclassmen they tell you are coming out. So you're putting a lot of effort into every player. That's why scouts work so much. So you know everything about every prospect. And then you start isolating guys around the senior bowl. And then going into the combine, you have an idea of who you like and who you don't like. So it's just a process. You start with a huge blank canvas. You put all the names on them. And then guys kind of dwindle each other out. Now obviously if you have a scheme as a scout, like your team runs a 4-3 or your team runs a 3-4, your team has press corners. Your team has zone corners. Your team is a zone running team. Your team is a power running team. You look for certain attributes in different players. No different than free agency. Your pro scouts evaluate every free agent. And then once you get you know around the senior bowl, really with, with free agents it's probably a little early, you start isolating the guys you like and the guys you might need. So it's, it's really a process. You always evaluate every player and then you go from there. Now, coaches will have players that they have a soft spot for, players they've previously coached. I mean, there are a lot of variables, but on the most basic level, you have a guy doing every region and your pro scouts doing every team. Like, you evaluate every player in the league every year. So you have a new grade on every player, just like you evaluate every draft prospect who is coming out every single year. So you've evaluated every player. Now, you might only like 20% of that group, but you've evaluated 100% of the available players. Now, certain teams have certain you know characteristics 
and things that they check yes or no on guys to throw them off the board. So it's it's always different. But and then the and the practice squad as a I was a pro scout. You were constantly evaluating the practice squad players, and most of the practice squad players are evaluated by the time the season starts because that's where you spend all your time in the preseason evaluating the roster bubble guys. So when the practice squads are developed, you have an idea when the claiming, you know, the big waiver wire comes out, you know the guys you like. And then the guys that you aren't able to claim or didn't need to claim at the time that you had a good grade on that go on to the practice squads, they're not going to play anymore. Because if you're a practice squad guy, you don't have any more game film once the season starts. So once the season starts, if it's like week eight, and you need a corner, and you go look at your practice squad corner list, and you go, we really like this corner on the Minnesota Vikings practice squad, well, then you can claim him. You know, When I say claim him, you can just sign him. Now, you got to put him on your 53-man roster. Now, in turn, like the Minnesota Vikings may just keep him and elevate him to the 53-man roster. But if you want to take that guy to, the, to your 53-man roster, and they don't, he's yours. Now, that means you have to cut a player. But usually when you do that, it's because of an injury. And sometimes it's cutting a guy, but... Yeah, so it's, I mean, a fairly complicated process, but I think on its most basic level, you're evaluating every player. You know, and that's, like, when I did the West Coast, I evaluated every player. We had Deshaun and Jeremy Macklin. I had to spend just as much time on Marquise Lee as I did on Ziggy Ansa. You know, just as much time on Brandon Cooks as I did on Star Lotolalele. You just, you spend, I could never say his name, I just called him Star. You, you get what I'm saying, though. You just evaluate, like my buddies in the SEC, you're evaluating the top quarterbacks just like you are the safeties, just like you are the wide receivers. So every player is evaluated. Then the players your GM and your assistant GM like, and then your coaching staff kind of comes into the process after the season starts liking, then you dwindle it down from there. And when you start, like if you run a 4-3 defense, you know that you're not going to need a 350-pound nose tackle. And if you run a 3-4 defense, that – Three that you know nose tackle, even though there aren't that many in college football anymore, is more intriguing to those guys. Like you might not have to ride. Now you would have to ride them, but you would just say don't fit. Hopefully that answered the question. How far can you see Justin Fields take the Ohio State Buckeyes this year? Why aren't they getting mentioned as the top teams in the country to compete for the championship? I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm wrong on this. I might have to look. I yeah, I'm just doing this off the cuff. Is he eligible to play? I, I thought he had to sit out. My beef with him, and again, I just watched a very, very little bit of him at Georgia, was that he was highly inaccurate. Now, if Ryan Day can coach him up and get his accuracy going, because he clearly was an elite athlete, five-star recruit, and he's got a big arm, but it felt like the ball, he had no clue where it was going. Now, there is no disputing the roster on Ohio State. I don't even need to know the players they have. I just know they got sweet players. So if he can just be more accurate than he was at Georgia, he should be a really good player. So yeah, I mean, I whenever if he's eligible to play this year, I'd go yeah, they could win the national championship. If he's not, then they'll be fine because the guy whoever they're starting is going to be pretty good. I don't remember where I heard it from originally, but one idea I really loved was more or less taking away three or four weeks of the preseason, adding two weeks of the regular season. Each team plays seventeen games with two bye weeks, eight home, eight away, and an international game for every team. Have these games played all over the place instead of just London and Mexico City. For two weeks, you'd have an international games played sporadically in the week with a specific bye week before or after for every team. That way, no teams get an extra home game. No team loses a home game. I kind of like where this is going. What are your thoughts? My first reaction is I kind of like. Now, 
We got Mexico. We got London. Where else could we go? We go Canada. We go Japan. We could go Hawaii. We could go Africa is pretty far away. We go like Germany, Spain. Yeah, I'm not opposed to it at all. I actually kind of like that idea. That means every team gets the equal amount of home games. I, I, I like that. With the recent contract extension for Carson Wentz, is it a little absurd that $170 million is guaranteed? Not saying he isn't a great talent, but with the tendency to get injured, I talked about it early. I, I just think it's simple It's simple economics. You know, he's a much better player than Kirk Cousins. And once Kirk Cousins signs for that number, and then when the two defensive guys sign for that number, now I know those guys haven't missed time like he has, but again, it's... I watched the Raiders play a preseason game, or excuse me, a postseason game against the Houston Texans with Khalil Mack, who that day, him and Clowney, were the two best players on the field. Mack was dominant. I think he had 11 tackles. He had like two tackles for loss and a sack. He was unreal. I mean, he was a man amongst boys beside Clowney. But they didn't have a quarterback, and they got their ass kicked. So I I just think the quarterbacks mean so much, just the cost of doing business. Why do so many NFL execs, owners, have their heads up their asses? I like the way this question is starting. They get paid millions of dollars and only need to focus on football, yet they lack basic NFL knowledge. Example, Jets, GM debacle. Chargers, move to LA. Raiders, hiring Jay. I think you mean John, but did they hire Jay? Maybe I don't know about that. Cardinals, Rosen, Giants, 19 draft. Ravens, Lamar. I agree. I think this is what makes sports so much fun to talk about because we see things happening all over the sports landscape in any sport, baseball, basketball, football, but probably more in football and basketball than than baseball now with the analytics that are just, I mean, jaw-droppingly insane. Daniel Jones at six. The Ravens going all in on a wing T offense with Lamar Jackson. The Cardinals and just their debacle. I, I wouldn't even just say Rosen. I would say hiring Cliff Kingsbury, keeping the GM. Just insane. The Jets debacle, for sure. I, I don't really have an, an answer to it. Well, one answer would be, I think you see a lot of guys get fired now more than ever, quicker. Like the 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 length of their tenure can be ripped out from underneath them at any moment. GM or coach. I also I, I think the reason for that, probably now more than ever, is money. Uh, every team has a lot of money. The league is making so much money. Every team's getting free media money. Now, I, I, it's not free media money because you work for it with the games, but all these teams, like buying a GM out for $10 million is nothing to them. It's a line item. Well, back in the day, like think how many coaches, how many people would just get fired randomly. It happened a lot with the Yankees. Well, Steinbrenner had more money, and it happened a lot with Al Davis. Well, Al Davis didn't pay his coaches anything. So it really didn't happen at this rate for a long time. Like Jed York, could Jed York have a fired in in three straight years afforded to fire Jim Harbaugh, Chip Kelly? He actually didn't owe Jim Harbaugh any money because he went to Michigan. But Jim Tom Sula and Chip Kelly and Trent Baalke, he fired three guys in a 12-month span. Like the, the, the Niners, Jed York doesn't have billions of dollars like some of these owners. Now he got the money because of the stadium, has a ton of money. That buying those guys out was easy. Well, five years before the stadium happened, he wouldn't have been able to do that. You know, so I think this last, I'd say, decade, a little less than a decade, maybe eight years, the money has changed everything. Because if you think about it, 
Like I got, I'll, I'll give you a much lower level money example. I got some extra food in my fridge. It's kind of old. You know, I, some chicken, some veggies, some different, I, let's just put the number at $50. Well, $50, if I'm doing, you know, the podcast doing pretty well. The, the food, if I don't make it tonight, it goes old and I just lose that cash. Well, if I got enough cash, I don't even care. Just throw it away. Get food. I'll go out and get food. I'll order in because I don't feel like making it. Well, if I'm super tight with money, I'm like, well, I'm just going to make the chicken and veggies, right? And again, it's all money. Like I always say, money's all relative. And the NFL, obviously they have, they've always had a couple really, really rich owners. But now even the poorest owners, like Mark Davis, gets a $250 million check from the league. So buying out a guy for five six million is like a pimple on an elephant's ass. It's just it doesn't mean anything. It's nothing. You can barely see it. It's, it's a tiny line item for him. What week could we possibly see Daniel Jones start? June tenth, right here. All guests. Week seven. That's that's what it feels like for just Eli Daniel Jones situation. I'm going week seven. Logged into my Insta for the first time in years to slide into the DM for three and out. Like it. What's your take on Sam Ellinger, the quarterback of Texas? How does he translate to the NFL? Could he be a dark horse Heisman candidate? Is built like a grown man. Run likes it. Run like it. Runs. I can't even speak. Runs like it, but can sling it too. Was fourth in the nation in deep ball efficiency. Yeah, a couple times I watched him down the stretch, I thought he got a lot better. I remember watching him earlier in the season. I was like, eh, I don't know if I see it. By the end of the season, I thought he was really good. And they clearly had some wide receivers for him. I wasn't the biggest Tom Herman guy, but I got to tip my hat to him. He's a pretty damn good coach. And they were really good toward the end of the end of the season. I, I'm, I, I haven't, like, scouted him or watched him like I could just talk about Jake Fromm or Tua or even, like, Kyler last year. But he was some someone by the end of the season, I thought, this guy's got a chance to be a pretty good player. And I remember earlier in his career, I wasn't that big into him. But, you know, like some young guys, they just take a little bit of time to develop. And I'm with you. He's a good athlete. His deep ball accuracy, I don't, I mean, if you're telling me, I'll believe you. But I, he's got some pop in his arm. Like he just throws. I remember watching him thinking like, this guy's got, a, this guy's got an NFL arm. Uh, and their team is just good. Now there's going to be some expectations this year for the first time. Like, can this team win the win the conference? And, you know, can Tom Herman, like, is this the year they make it to the playoffs? And when that's the case, the quarterback and the coach get a lot of pressure. So how will he handle it? And he clearly can make himself a lot of cash getting ready for, you know, what's he going to be, a junior? So, I mean, technically he could stay in school another two years, I think, because he was a sophomore. I thought he was a sophomore last year. I could I could be wrong. I'm not trying to talk like Sam Ellinger, like I know his complete life story out of the back of my hand, but... I, I know this. I, I watched him multiple times late in the season. I definitely watched the bowl game, and he was good. What are your thoughts on the college transfer pool and how Brew McCoy treated his situation with Texas and USC? I'm a little confused by once you go in the transfer portal. Like, this guy technically went in the transfer portal twice, right? Because he signed with USC, but then Cliff Kingsbury backed out. He went to Texas, and he actually went to Texas, and then he backed out, and he went again. I struggle to judge like 18 and 19 year old guys with deciding to transfer and crushing them. I mean, I struggle to make decisions. I'm 34 years old. So to think that at 18 years old, I would know how to make a correct decision. I, the, the one thing I don't know, and I was asking someone about this, is he eligible to play right away at USC? 
Because to me, if he is, that's a little sketchy. Like he, after he does the transfer once, he shouldn't be eligible to transfer again. Like to me, if he has to redshirt, he's just following the rules. But if he's able to play right away for USC, and I know he had a, he claimed a hardship, wanted to be closer to home. Uh, that would get a little sketchy for me, but I, I I really don't have that big of an issue because again, like put yourself in those shoes. Eighteen years old, everyone's kind of blowing you and telling you how great you are. Maybe you get a little homesick. I mean, I I don't know about you, but most men I know when they're eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old aren't that mature. Like my greatest run of maturity was probably from like twenty one to twenty four. Eighteen, nineteen, I was an idiot. So and, and I just didn't know anything. So I, I can't totally blame this guy for wanting to transfer. I, I, I really can't. Appreciate everyone hitting me up. Middlecoff Mailbag. Another week, another podcast, another Warriors win. I'll see you a little later this week. Godspeed. May the peace be with you. Adios. Thanks for listening. See ya. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Turns out, a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today.